Today I will believe and confess that Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. All right, praise the Lord. Before we get started with my message, I want to say this. Sometimes I can say, I'm sure, things that may seem somewhat controversial. But I like to, to think of, when you think of ourselves as Christians, and, and really think about what we proclaim and what we say is true, that, you know, we believe that God created the universe. We believe that God is sovereign. We believe that God knows everything. We say all these things about God, and if these things are all true, then there's some other things that require that we must acknowledge. Um, when bad things happen, people say, how can bad things happen and there be God? Well, the Bible explains them if we're willing to, to really take heed to what the Bible says. You know, I was reading in the paper this morning about a young girl that was um, killed by a pit bull, you know, and the owner has a dog roaming around. A young, she's only seven, and now... You know, so people many times will be like, well, why would God let these kind of things happen? And, you know, the scriptures are self-explanatory of a lot of things that go on in this life. But I think that people's refusal to acknowledge what God has actually said is what really is creating major the problem. As believers, people say, well, how can he let things like this happen in Christians' lives? I tell people again, all the answers to what God proclaims are in his word, but at the same time, it depends if we can be honest enough and look in the mirror and say, okay, I believe I've done everything that God said in his word, and therefore what is happening should not have happened. And if somebody could do that, then they could hold and accuse God of being a liar, basically, is what happens. But I think that if we would just be honest, which many times most people, we just, it's very difficult for us to do that. To be honest, we realize that we, it's like leaving your doors open you know, um, leaving your keys in your car and, and things that leave you open to access, you might say, which has nothing to do with being a saved or a Christian or a child of God. If your child goes out at the wrong hour of the night and they go to the wrong club, they might not come back home. It don't matter they're Christian because the devil was in there shooting up the club and the bullets ain't going past, you know, the children. You got to understand that if you let your child roam the streets and somebody else got dogs roaming the streets and you're a Christian, that don't mean necessarily that dog might not end up attacking the person. We got to give thought to these things. And today, I think the message I'm going to deal with will help us even more so to deal with these things as we go forward. I want to go first to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 1 through 3, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, and we'll read those verses. And we'll keep kind of moving forward through a few more, and then we'll get into our message. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. All right, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now let's go to John in the New Testament. Go to John chapter 16. Let's go to John chapter 16. And we're going to look at verse 7 through 15. John chapter 16, and we're going to look at verse 7 through 15. All right. It says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you. But you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 
And let's look at verse 9 through 16. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all the things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Last place we want to go, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 17 and 18. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the spirit of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you today for an opportunity again to come out. We thank you that people have arrived safely in spite of the rain, and we thank you for them pushing out. We pray and ask today that the word of God might continue to minister to our hearts and our minds, that you might open up our lives, that we might truly walk in the spirit of God, and that we might receive the blessing upon our life that you desire us to have. Father, we thank you for your word, even now in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. All right, today... I'm simply entitling my message, The Lord is That Spirit. The Lord is That Spirit. And my thesis, at least what I'm hoping I'm going to get to when I get to the end, is that the Holy Spirit is a person in the Godhead and is responsible for leading the church on earth. That the Holy Spirit is a person in the Godhead and is responsible for leading the church on earth. All right, and they're going to leave that up on the sanctuary so you can take a look at it. What I want to do throughout church history, there have always been debates, the same kind of debates that you see going on now about whether or not Jesus is God, whether or not uh, how God's spirit. Th these debates are not any different than from the beginning of time. They're the same. Today, people read the Bible and come up with their own ideas or interpretations, and they forsake uh, well-grounded Christian doctrine that has already been established, and that if you read the scripture, you can clearly see. One of these areas, I think, is the, the fact of the Holy Spirit as a person, that we are not praying and summoning up some type of force, you know, that we are uh, like witches do, witches summon up demons and summon up all these other things that they can control and make do what they want. This is not the world we live in. This is not what we are. But the Bible is clear that the world is spiritual. Things that are happening are spiritual. And most people's rejection of the spiritual aspect of the world is what's creating the problems that dominate mankind. Louisiana just passed a law dealing with pornography and other stuff and going to these websites. And they were talking about how you have to verify your age and some other stuff. I don't know how they were doing all that. But the person that they had talking about it was saying that how they're seeing such an increase in the amount of child uh, pornography that's being accessed now by people when this used to not be the case. And she attributes it to the younger people who are basically younger and younger having access to these sites, that stuff that, as I've been telling you over the as we've talked over the weeks and months, that I never even had a chance to see when I was growing up, simply because you, you went into bookstores and you couldn't even get to that stuff. It was behind the counter and covered up and all that, where children now can access these things immediately on their phones and on their computers, and now all it does is, like any other addiction, the longer you deal with it, the deeper it takes you into uh, uh, darker areas. 
and the areas just get darker and darker. Just like drugs get worse and worse, this area gets darker and darker. And so while they're finding more young people who are now having child pornography and stuff on their computers and stuff and not knowing what to even do with some of them, as young as some of them are. Um, but the problem uh, presents itself in the idea of not recognizing the spiritual aspect of the life we're living throughout the Bible, you see God consistently making it clear to us that Satan utilizes anything he can to basically expose mankind, because once his mind is exposed, it becomes very difficult for him to withdraw himself from some things. The key that I wanted to talk about today, though, was the idea that by forgetting that the world operates under these spiritual principles, people likewise forget that the Spirit of God is a person. You know, he's not just a force. He's not just something we pray, and he's not something just run around, make a sing, or shiver, or any of these other kind of things. We have to realize that we are living in a world where we're under constant attack, and there are lots of things that are happening that we have got to open our minds to the understanding that the devil is a strategist. The Bible said, Jesus said, the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. He's looking for someone to devour. It's his intention to destroy us. You have to believe this. Now, if you choose not to, you're the best target for the devil because people walk around and say, oh, I ain't in all that devil stuff. I ain't thinking about all that. Well, then why think about the God stuff at all? I mean, why, why even think? I'm not saying we should focus on demons. We don't do that. But we've got to realize we're in a spiritual world with spiritual adversaries. And so they, therefore, I, I, there's a song that I listen to sometime, and, 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 and there's a, a line in it that, that I absolutely have taken to, to, my, to be my, if you want to call it my little mantra going forward as I keep pushing through. And the bottom line is that, look, you got to understand, the people you up against don't sleep. You see, see, you sleep and you rest. The devil ain't sleeping. The devil and every demon that knows your life and knows whatever it is that they might be able to utilize to destroy your life, they don't sleep and they don't slumber. And they are constantly trying to come up with plans to figure out how to derail your life. You, if you don't believe this, then you have to realize it's like uh, walking around in a minefield saying, I don't believe it's out here. Then one of your legs get blown off and you still say well, I don't believe that was because it was a man. Okay, well, I keep on walking around. Then both legs get blown off. And then you're like, well, I still, I ain't believing it. Keep crawling. You know, I mean, the point is that something is going on. You're seeing constantly defeat and doors blocked and things happening. I got to say, whoa, stop, time out. If God is sovereign, which we declare he is, and God knows everything, and God can do everything, and God can be everywhere. God's all-powerful. Then, okay, God, I'm going to need you to step up to who you are. But God said, well, I ain't the problem. God says, we are the problem. We're the ones who don't draw near to him, and by not drawing near, you leave yourself exposed, you know. Um, you've got to realize that the Holy Spirit, because he is a person, Jesus said, look, let's go back and look at what Jesus actually said. In, 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 when you look in John chapter 16, Jesus made it clear. <clears throat> and I'm always reluctant not to teach a lot about it, but you have to teach some because Jesus made it clear. The Holy Spirit is not going to sit around talking about himself all the time. That's not his purpose. But he, you need to know how he functions and how he operates. Jesus said that it was necessary that he leave. In John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for me, for you, that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the comforter will not come. You need him. He says, but if I depart, he's going to come. And when he comes, he will be the one that will be able to convince the world. He's the convincer. He's the one who changed your mind. If your mind was ever changed about sin, if it was ever changed about righteousness, if it was ever changed about judgment, it was the Holy Spirit who did that. He convicted you and then convinced you that you're a sinner and you need God. And you, he convinced you that righteousness comes. I, I tell you all all the time, I try not to preach like Paul said with words of wisdom and all that. I just try to throw it out and tell you, think about this. It don't make sense to play Christian. Where is Jesus? Now, you cannot convince me. I wasn't there, but all I know is this. 
If Jesus had been running around all that time claiming that he was going to rise from the dead, that's what he said, then it would make sense that what the Bible says happened, happened. They went to Pilate and said, Pilate, this deceiver, while he was alive, kept saying that he was going to rise from the dead. Do this for us. Can you please go and put some guards around his tomb and seal it so that he can't get out and his disciples don't come and take him away? The Bible says that they sealed the tomb and Roman soldiers were guarding the tomb. Where did Jesus go then? I don't understand. So we're willing to accept this foolishness that what? His disciples came and stole him? They were scared of the Romans to start. They didn't even follow Jesus. Why would they take a chance to go and steal a dead body so they could start a whole religion and get killed for it? It wasn't like, you know, today. You can be a preacher, get paid. Yeah, we get paid. Don't nobody beat us. Don't nobody chase us. Don't nobody fire us off our jobs. We get paid. We get asked to come to banquets and pray, you know, for the people. We come to football games and pray for everybody, right, because we're all Christians. Uh-uh, not back then. You got killed for that stuff. So why would we go steal a body? First of all, how did they roll a stone away? Then when they rolled a stone away, they just went in, what, and picked the body up and just walked off? What happened? Well, then the story became they paid off the guards. Right. Well, the story in the Bible says Pilate killed them guards. Because where are, the, where are the people? Where are they? So the people who were charged with keeping it, I don't think they made it out of there when it was all over. Because as a Roman soldier, if you were assigned something, that was your task. And if you didn't take care of your task, you were executed. So you're telling me that they were willing to take a chance oh, oh, from these poor, and where did they get the money? Oh, they paid them with fish? Come on, man, think about it. I'm just asking people to think about it. We are thinking people, and the devil knows that. And so he uses all this modern stuff to play with our heads, but we don't just think about the plain old look. This is why Jesus said, please just be hot or cold. Because if you were hot, I could deal with you. If you was cold, I could deal with you. At least if you were just out there getting it, you know, fine. Or if you were be hot. He says, because the middle don't even make sense. Makes no sense. So just like Miranda said today, Whoever this preacher was that said that about if you don't know Jesus, you don't know God, and you're not prepared for this life or the one to come, whatever the case might be when it's all over, we need this person, though. See, Jesus went to heaven, and it's great we pray to him. We should. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our Master. See, when you talk like this, some people are like, oh, that's all I know is Jesus. I got that. We know Jesus. We should know Jesus. Jesus said, though, it's expedient. I go away. I got to go away. Jesus on the right hand of the Father. So when you pray, Jesus, help me. What you think happened? You think he coming? Jesus is not coming. Now, I have to do this for you. Back in the day, first of all, I want to I just call out a few scriptures to you. I didn't give them these. I'm just going to read them off right quick. In, in, in three places in the New Testament, we know the word Godhead is used. All right? Because we always getting beat up about one God. We ain't never debated one God. There's one Godhead. We've never debated one God. But in the Godhead are three persons. And that's what we know to be fact. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Father is the begotten of the Son. Begotter of the Son. Begetter, if you will, we say, of the Son. Not begotten in the sense that he was birthed. That's not what we're talking about. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. I don't know how it was with God, and I don't care. He told me it was, and I believe it, and I accept that. Everywhere you look, the Bible refers to Jesus, the Word of God. And the Word was made flesh and walked amongst us. And that's why the Bible says in Philippians that he didn't think it was robbery to be equal with God. That's why he kept saying, I and the Father are one. He's going to show you what's mine, because what the Father has is mine. Who talks like that? but somebody who believes they're God. He said, I and the Father are one. When you've seen the Father, you've seen me. Whoa, okay. And he's making it clear. I don't think it's robbery for me to be equal with God because I am in the Godhead. I am the Son of God. I was with God in the beginning. He said, I was, before Abraham was, I am. He made it clear. The Bible says that by him, through him, were all things made, were all things created, and without him, nothing was created. Him, 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 Jesus, the Word. Well, okay. The Bible says this. 
in Acts 17, 29, Paul was talking to these people. He says, for in so much then that we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. So he's saying, look, the Bible tells us, it teaches us in Genesis, in the beginning, God created man. In his image, he created him. And Paul, in trying to debate with these foolish philosophers, said, we ought to understand if we are created in the image of God, we would not be like these gold and silver statues and these trees and things that y'all make that can't speak, can't see, can't hear, not, they can't do anything. You got to bow to them. You got to carry your own God around. Get some common sense, he's even saying, right? But he uses the term Godhead. In Romans 1.20, he uses it again. He says, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The world is without excuse. God, his Godhead is there. He has, there is three or are three persons in this Godhead. People will debate with us. You all worship three gods. Just stop it. No, we don't. We worship one God in the Godhead, united. One God. Just like the brotherhood of man, you have the Godhead of God. And the only people in there is God, the Father, and the Son. We ain't in there. We were made in God's image. That don't mean we live gods. We're humans, just like dogs are dogs, cats are cats, mice are mice, species. We are men and women, man, male, and female. Jesus said that's how God created us. No matter what you think about it, don't matter to me. God created us in the beginning, man, male and female, created he them. All right, so now we got that out of the way. The Godhead. For in him, in Colossians 2.9, this is what it says, in Colossians 2.9, and it's talking about Jesus. Think about this now. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, God doesn't have a body except a spiritual body. God is a spirit, Jesus said. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, just like angels. Angels are spirits. They can take on a form where we might see them in bodily form, but angels are spiritual beings. And they, they can walk through walls. They can show up in places. Why? Because they have spiritual bodies, and therefore they can manifest themselves looking like humans in tangible bodies, but in fact, they're spiritual beings. But Jesus was a real human. And the Bible tells us in him dwells, lives all the fullness of the Godhead in a body, in a human body. You couldn't get more God in here than what you got. The Bible says when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus walked up, they baptized him, and the heavens opened, the dove descended, and the father spoke, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Just like I told Moses, I don't care anymore about what Moses said. He said, look, anybody that doesn't listen to what he said will pay the price. And then Jesus began to walk. And being in the form of God, thought it not right to be equal with God, but being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself, the Bible says, and became obedient unto God, even obedient unto death, and that the death of the cross. And because of that, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and earth, everything must bow to Jesus. Then the Bible goes on to say, therefore, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is serious business. I, every day I think about this. Are you prepared to die, white? Are you prepared to die? I know you say, you know Jesus, but are you prepared to die? Do you never know what might go on? You've been praying and asking the Holy Spirit to keep you, but guess what? What if you, for whatever the reasons are, you ain't doing what you should have done, and you slip out of here? Are you really ready? Every day I'm saying that, right? Because just like I walked out one morning and parked right by my fence was a big, that dog, with, that dog sitting on his hind legs, his head was about this big, sitting there at my gate. I was going out to go get my trash in the morning, and I usually bring my little, you know, angel in my pocket. And I said, Lord, I don't want to have to shoot this dog. I said, and so I told him, I said, and he just sat there looking at me like, I, you, I know you don't think daddy's going to make me leave. 
And so I'm looking at this dog, thinking to myself, okay, I don't really know what this dog might do. You know, so I go back in the house, and then I got my other little blade. You know, I ain't want to be, I ain't want to shoot the dog, you know. But I said, you know what? If it go down, they're going to say whatever got pastor is bleeding, running down the street. So I put it in my, <laughs> put my little knife in my pie, you know, and put it on out. So I said, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me. Now, I need to get my trash, and I need this dog to get up on out of here. And I don't want us to have no encounter. So can you just help me? So I walked out the door, and the dog was still sitting there looking. And I said, now this is it. This is it, I'm going! The dog took up. You sound like a horse galloping down the street. Here's a pause on the street. And I just say, thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, I appreciate that. Now, most people say, man, you're a crazy man. You're whatever. But I believe the Holy Spirit helped me. I believe that I stopped long enough instead of going to my own devices, although I had them near. I'm like, Lord, I don't, I don't think this is the way this is supposed to go down. I need your help. Can you help me here? But I got to get to my trash. No matter how I do it, I, can't, I got a lock on my gate. If I go through the back, I can't get out. I need to get in my gate. It's like the dog guarding my gate. And I used to be really fearful of dogs. He said these dreams of them just coming up and biting you, you know, and just always chasing me somewhere. I'm like, oh, my, you know, all the time. So here he is, right? Well, as I came to the point of understanding, even when you read many of the creeds of the old church, you'll see where it talks about the Holy Spirit. It talks about how we believe in God the Father. We believe in, you know, the Lord Jesus. But it goes on to say, you know, how in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life who proceeds from the Father, and the Son, but together he's worshiped and glorified, and he spoke by the prophets. All the prophets spoke by the Holy Spirit. Everything that is going on right now, if we ignore, I was listening to a minister the other day. He said that some churches, the Holy Spirit left six years ago, and they didn't even know he was gone. You can run a church, <laughs> and the Holy Spirit ain't got to be there. He ain't got to come. You know, and people won't invite him. You know, it's like if you don't invite him, he ain't coming. You know, the, the thing that people don't understand is that God can't. A church is like anything else, right? You can run a church. All you need is what? You get your pastor, get you some people, do your thing, got some few people coming, and you got church. But if you want God to inhabit a place and be a part of what you're doing, you need the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of people, it doesn't matter how many people are coming even. That's not the point. The point is, is the Holy Spirit in charge? Is the Holy Spirit the one that we're talking to and asking and doing? And that's why I'm saying today about our lives. You know, if I leave out of here and honestly, see, I, don't, I, don't, I can't tell y'all how you live, only you know. I know there are days that I get up and don't bother to even acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Oh, but what I'm thinking, I'm just supposed to be able to get in my car and drive and everything going to be all right. I ain't supposed to get in no accidents, even though Jesus told us how to pray. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from this evil one. He said, pray this every day. Why do we know this? Because he said, give us this day our daily bread. And if I don't get up and at least acknowledge the Holy Spirit, ask him, ask him to deliver me, why should I expect deliverance? God in his mercy does it. I mean, you know, God just be keeping people, keeping people, keeping people. And then sometime, though, stuff happens that wakes us or shocks us or makes us have to think. And if we were honest with ourselves, we could honestly say, there's no way I can go up there and accuse God of not being gracious and watching. Because when the moment occurs, it's him, it's him, it's him. Things happen, people. Listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. You know, I, my sons were home over the holidays. My youngest son, for whatever his crazy reasons are at times, he now carried a little gun on his side. For whatever reason, him and his older brother, I told them before I left, I told him some stuff, and he said, oh, Dad, I don't care about what he say no more. I'm good. And I said, good, great. I'm, I'm glad. Handle that. Well, then when I left, I came home. Apparently, they must have had some kind of little altercation while I was gone. But let it be described, my youngest son, however they ended up in the yard, my oldest son, after he had done whatever he was doing, my youngest son for a moment flinched. Now, why is my oldest son not shot or dead right now today? The Holy Spirit. 
Because I prayed all the time, Lord, watch over my house. Keep my kids. I don't know why they got that little thing they do sometimes, but you know, I need you to manage that. Because the devil was looking. That was an opportunity. If he'd have pulled that gun and my older son would have jumped in, who knows what would have happened? The gun might have just went off accidentally. Somebody dead at my house. How the devil got in? You see, 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 folks, I believe this stuff. I, 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 I believe that you have to pray. You got to see God because the devil is always looking for opportunity. Always. Always. My older son said that he, he, he believes it. Well, he said he was looking at him so crazy. That's why he think he put us in pardon. Up. Both of y'all crazy, okay? You need to understand that. And somebody should have ended up possibly shot. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Because I believe he is the one who intervened in that situation. And how do you know? Because all of a sudden, everybody back happy again. This one in Boston, this one some tennis shoes, and everybody smiling again. Hold up, is y'all the people that I heard was about to go draw down a gun battle in the back, y'all? What is going on? The devil. You got to understand the devil is looking for opportunity. Something was said, something was grabbed from what was said, and the devil started amping it up. And if he could have amped it up enough, what you got? Well, there you go. But he hit my oldest son somewhere he wasn't expecting. See, my oldest son, they talk about everything, anything, and he didn't got to the point now. He said, Dad, I took the red pill. At least I went and studied it. So that way when Joseph started talking, nothing bothers me anymore. I don't, even, I don't agree with it. I just listen. I said, okay, son, great. He hit him some way he wasn't expecting. See, because my younger son got a thing going right now when he talks about women. And I think he's just way off, but that's life. He'll have to get over that. But he tapped on Sister Lori. And he tapped on her and said something that was a side swipe. And my son wasn't expecting it. Because my older son, oh, not my younger son, too. I think they both love her, but Roderick just adores Lori. And he caught her by surprise. Joseph talked about his own mama. And Roderick don't flinch. Then he hit Lori. Oh, my God. And Roderick, like, lost his mind. Because, you know, he, he, he knows I'm happy and my marriage is great. She and I get along wonderfully. And for him... It was like, bruh, that's off limits. He's in there telling me, you need to apologize. You need to apologize. And, and uh, whatever. But he hit him with something he wasn't expecting. And the devil amped it up. And if he could have got it amped up, it's somewhere. See, you can say you think you got it under control because that's what I told him. I said, look, ah, y'all be getting it. Oh, dad, it's good. Mm, it wasn't. But the Holy Spirit knew. See what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit, he's the one. I give him all the credit. So y'all don't have me in the paper. Seriously, come on now. That man preaching every Sunday. Now the one that hit kid done shot the other one in the backyard. Ain't that crazy? Come on now, y'all be honest with me now. Ain't that crazy? Y'all have seen Roderick White Jr. done sh been shot by Joseph White. And then y'all have been, for a while, y'all have been like, that can't be the Roderick White we know. Are you talking about the pastor White, son? And then there's going to be somebody, I knew it, see that what I'm talking about. All that talk he be doing, that's why he got it. Blah, 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 blah. I'm telling you, that's what happened. God, though, every day I'm like, God, look, I can't watch all these doors. I can't do it. Please, Holy Spirit, watch the foolishness. Because the devil is trying to amp it up any way he can because he want to take us all down if he can. Sometimes we just got to understand. We have to go in with the understanding that this is what's happening. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is like the, he, 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 he's a, folks, I don't even know how to do this in a way. Because if this, think about it. The reason we know he's God, if I came in here this morning and said, okay, we're going to have baptism. And I say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and Roderick White. You'd be like, I don't think I'm going to be in that church. If I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and anything else, you would still be like, I don't think I don't. And it ain't just superstition. It's because it is what we were told to do by the Lord himself. He didn't lead the Holy Spirit out. He said, no, 
He's the one. If you look at what I told you in Genesis, in Genesis, you see here where God created, the spirit moved, God said, and it was so. That's what it says. Let's go back and look in Genesis chapter one. Let's go look at it. See, so I'm saying, so when we're saying God help us, well, who, how you think that's going to happen? Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's the one that's comforting you. He's the one. Genesis 1, look at what it says. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And this starts telling us about it. It says, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So God, the Spirit of God was down here. God was up here. God spoke. In the beginning was the word. I don't know what this looks like, and I don't want to even try to figure it out. But God said something, and it was so. God said in verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. So there we have the word of God. Now, are you saying that Jesus was, that's, no, I ain't saying nothing. Now, I'm telling you that when God, God speaking can't be no different than his word. And however him, Jesus, all that worked out together, all I'm telling you is you still see God said. So the spirit moved. God said something and the spirit moved and something happened. So without the word, Without God, the Spirit ain't doing nothing. See, so in other words, if I live my life apart from the Word, I don't, shouldn't even expect the Holy Spirit's help. Why should I look? Why should I expect that, that, that instead of me having an altercation, I was lucky? They ain't luck. It's the Holy Spirit. You got to give him, acknowledge him for what he did and, and for who he is and for what he does all the time and how he keeps you all the time. My wife sometimes has a little bit of a bad habit. I have it as well, I guess. But she'll go in and open the cabinet in the bathroom. And sometimes just forgetting, you know, she didn't close it. And the light was off last night. I walked in to go to the bathroom. And when I looked up, it was too late to say, ouch. I'd have been knocked out. And all I said was, thank you, Holy Spirit. Because if I'd have walked clean up into that, ca that cabinet, I don't tell him, probably rip half my face off because, you know, you're moving pretty quick, you know, and boom. I mean, but I, when I looked up, like I said, it was too late to say, ouch. I was like, thank you, Holy Spirit. So I just go back and say, did you leave the cabinet open? You know, I ain't fussing because ain't no sense in fussing. The Holy Spirit need help you not hit it, but you got to acknowledge what's happening here. Now, think about this. If we decide that these things are not true, that we just live in a world full of luck. Well, good luck. Think about coming to church and that's my answer to you in life. Good luck. Now, maybe I'm just wrong, but I don't want to live by luck. I don't want to live. If that's how we live in, then we might as well strap it on all the time and just make absolutely sure you stay in your house unless you need to come outside. Because there are people everywhere looking to hurt you, rob you, steal, kill, destroy, do whatever they can. But I don't believe we live by luck. I do think there's a certain degree of stuff we deal with that we got to be more cognizant of what's going on. And, and it doesn't mean that if we have had things happen to us that we wasn't listening. That ain't my point. But we also have to acknowledge that there's something going on here. I remember one time when I worked at Exxon. The only reason I still have both of my arms because of the Holy Spirit. I remember I used to work in this department. They had this thing called the expeller. The expeller would get plugged with rubber sometime, and you had to manually pull the rubber out. They're supposed to lock out the machinery, which I thought had been done. I was given the go-ahead signal. I stuck my arms down the expeller. I pulled the rubber out, and as soon as I got it about this far out, the expeller kicked off. Now, and I look up, and the guy was like this. Because he didn't see me down there, because he just come in from wherever he was coming from. He just went on and hit the button because the thing was down. And it just kicked on. And I looked up, and he was just looking at me like this. Well, if I had got my arms, because it had snatched them clean off and just grinding them up in the thing, what'd I say? 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. I wasn't necessarily living my own whatever, but I knew what God. Thank you, Lord. I was delivering some furniture once. God, we got the furniture. I'm coming to the edge of the truck. I said, you got it? You got it? Yeah, I got it. Bam! Right then, I had moved my hands. Furniture just dropped. Well, I could have left my hands up in the truck. Because the furniture weighed a couple thousand pounds, I think, between when he had it on a dolly or something. All these things, if I were to go back in my life and say, oh, that was luck, this was luck, that was luck, this was luck, well, I'm a very lucky man. So maybe y'all should, you know, touch me when y'all need me. Get you a piece of this here. (laughs) But I don't believe that. I just believe it's God. God's like, look, fool, at least you acknowledge you're a fool. I do. I acknowledge on a daily basis I'm a fool. Lord, I don't know everything. I don't know what to do. I don't really know. I think I know, but I don't really know. So please help me because I'm going to end up doing something and something's going to go wrong and then I'm going to be toasty or whatever. I'm always doing that, right? But, but the Holy Spirit knows. He knows our weaknesses and our frailties. But if we'll ask him, if we'll tell him, if we'll acknowledge, then he can come along to help. But you see, God says many times things happen so that we can get an understanding. We get an understanding. I want you to see something. The Bible says, in, in, if you look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit some more. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it, it, it says this. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So in other words, the way man even was created, the spirit breathed into this thing made out of clay. And that spirit, that's why he's called the giver of life. He breathed upon man and blew in his nostrils, and man became a living soul. He's, he's, he's a person. See, see, this is why when you understand what the Bible says in Psalm 139.7. Let's go over there, 139.7. This is why I told you a long time ago I don't believe in this accountability craziness people got into. And don't get me wrong, I understand what everybody's saying, Okay. You need an accountability partner. You know, if you, if you got a problem with pornography, what you need to do is give me your something, and then it's going to send me an emergency every time you log into something. Now, folks, people can go around anything when they get desperate enough. Forget all of that stuff. Once you understand this, you forget that. Put it up there. Look what it say. Whither shall I go from your spirit? Or whither shall I flee from your presence? No matter where you go. No matter what you're doing, the Holy Spirit is there. If you're a Christian, the Bible says he inhabits our spirit. So the Holy Spirit goes everywhere. I could fool all y'all maybe for a season. I could leave town and go far enough away that y'all might not know what I'm doing. But the Holy Spirit is there. And if I, this is how we got to think. If I'm so concerned about what y'all think about me, let's say, for instance, I, I, I used an example last week of, you know, some Christian getting caught in the liquor store or in, God forbid, an adult bookstore, right? And I said it's easier to explain the liquor store because they might have some cold drinks in there and you was just thirsty, so you heard of them stop. But you can't explain that other store. But who cares about explain? If I'm so concerned y'all might catch me in one of them places or y'all might catch me in a liquor store, or y'all, if I care about y'all, why well, don't care about the Holy Spirit? That's why accountability, I mean, it don't matter to me because the one you need to be accountable to, if, he, if you ain't afraid enough of him to say, okay, you know what? Like David said, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me, Lord. If you're not afraid of the Holy Spirit stepping back and exposing you to every possibility that you see going on out there, that's why I keep saying I don't know why we think, we just think them just unlucky people out there. And every day when we get in our cars and we drive and we come home in one piece, we could say like other people do, well, everybody, that happens with everybody. Yeah, uh uh-huh, not really. There are a lot of people that didn't get home. Yeah, but a lot of them aren't Christians. Yeah, but that's not the point we're trying to get at right now. Are we all on luck? Or are we believing that God is the keeper of us? See, because if you're on luck, then good luck with your children. I hope it worked for you. I hope they turn out okay. I hope they don't end up on the street. I hope they don't end up on drugs. I hope your your daughters don't end up being, uh, 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 what they call them now? Sexual workers. Who wants, no. No, the Bible says train up a child 
when they're young and the way they should go and when they're old, they won't depart. You have a right to believe God that if you do what's necessary. See, some of you have even recognized now, like some of the stuff going on in public school is kind of off. You need to do something. You got to make some decisions, make some changes. If you're doing nothing else, you at least got to bring your kids home and say, what did you hear today? I talked to a coach the other day. I won't say the high school here in Baton Rouge. He was talking about how he went into the band room and had to evacuate the whole band room because children, children, I say, they were in 19th grade, 11, like that, and they're just doing it. Clothes off, everything. And he said he almost, he said he just couldn't, he, he couldn't fathom. He said, even when we were in high school ourselves, you know, you might catch somebody somewhere trying to do something like that. But not just like this, the room we go to. All this, you got 10, 15 students, everybody up in the room doing whatever they're doing. What are you people doing? This is a high school. But I'm suggesting that if I at least am pursuing my child in a way, God has promised me that I can be confident that the Holy Spirit He's a person. He's here. There's nowhere you can go that he ain't there. But I got to also be vigilant about what's going on and not what? Believe that somehow I can just leave all this stuff to itself. In John chapter 3, verse 5 through 8, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. In John chapter 8, I mean John chapter 3, I'm sorry, verse 5 through 8, look at what he says. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel you not that I said unto you, you must be born again. See, see, he is saying it is the spirit that births a Christian. All right, so like when we did the baptism a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, when little Robert went up there. If the spirit doesn't birth in him, he's not born again. Going into the water doesn't make a new creation. I confess Christ, and if I do and I believe it in my heart, like he said, that God raised him from the dead, I'm a sinner, I confess my sins, I recognize what's going on, I now can be what? Born again. But it's the spirit that does that. I mean, when that kid looked at me, I remember we were in the lobby, and he said, Pastor, I want to get baptized. And I was like, <laughs> I just looked at it. It was different. It was serious. It was like he was determined. So I said, well, um, does your dad know about this? And he was like, yeah, I guess they had talked. Well, then I went over to see his dad, and I said, you know, you know your son wants to get baptized. He said, well, yeah, we've been talking about it, I guess, at some point. He didn't know he had actually come up to me. And I said, well, he come up to me. He, he says he's ready to do this, right? Well, I think that's the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's moving, just like, just like somebody come up and try to woo you. The Bible says that the Spirit will woo us. So when a man meets a woman and he want to talk to her, he don't just stand over there in the corner. And she looking like, what's wrong with him? I mean, you know, there's got to be some more action here going on. You got to go over and say something sooner or later. It's okay to keep looking. And everybody looking, but okay, we need to make contact. So somewhere the Holy Spirit begins then to woo. The Bible says he woo. He begins to speak. He convinces. That's what Jesus said. He'll convict you and convince you of your sin. He will then say, you need a Savior. You need comforter. You need help because there's so much going on right now. You don't know. When you go to sleep, you need somebody to keep you. When you go to sleep, you need to make sure that things are the way they're supposed to be. You need somebody to watch over you. You don't know your future. I already know where you're going, where you're going to end up, and how it's going to end for you. People say, how can a God be sovereign then if people ha don't have free will? No, you have free will. I believe that. People say they don't believe that because God couldn't be sovereign if you had free will. I just think that's just a line of argument that don't make sense. Sometimes I think that's why God helped let me go on kind of like Paul. You learn a lot of things and you become a lawyer because the truth of the matter is that argument is dumb. If God is sovereign, to me it would seem you steal away his sovereignty by saying we are not free. Why can God not in his sovereignty make me free? 
Why can't he say, I'm going to create you, white, and you make your own decisions. I know where you're going to end up. Not because I'm going to put you there, but because I'm already there. I am Alpha and Omega. I'm in the beginning and the end. I'm in the present, the future. I'm everywhere. I'm in your past. I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm already there. So I'm sovereign, yes, in that sense. But you have free will. God ain't putting you in hell. You're choosing each step of the way to reject knowledge and the Holy Spirit who tries to tell you. People are like, well, if God can do anything, then he need to make me do it. God ain't going to make you do nothing. You got to understand that. The Holy Spirit doesn't like you trying to. They call that with a man and a woman abuse. When a man that made up his mind that a woman going to be with him no matter what, they call that abuse. Matter of fact, you can go and get an order to stop him from stalking you. Every time I show up, he out there with flowers. It don't matter what you bring, flowers and candies and all these things that are supposed to be great and wonderful. The woman don't want you like that. That means leave her alone. Stop that. There's laws against that. Well, the Holy Spirit, you ain't got to worry. He ain't going to stalk you. You and I do not have to worry. If you tell him, leave me alone, he will go on about his business. His intention is to woo you to God. So he tries to tell people to convince them. If they listen, how can people look at the world and not see it? They just think all this stuff just happens. You're driving along on perfectly good tires, and all of a sudden you just got a flat. How'd it happen? But now you know you ran over something. Or something happened to your tire. You don't say, I just don't know how I got a flat. No, you take it to the tire shop. And usually they're going to tell you. See right here? There's this small little pinhole. You must have hit a rock. Or they're going to show you a nail. They're going to show you something. Because you start off saying, my car was running fine. And then... My tire went out. Well, nothing just goes out. It doesn't. Look, think about it. Nothing just goes out unless it's old and it doesn't run its whole course. Otherwise, it doesn't just go out. Neither does your life. See, you got to start seeing your life this way. You got to say, hold up, stop, wait a minute. I told somebody this the other day. When I went to the doctor and they said, well, you better watch your sugar. Nah. You know, I, ain't, I don't have high sugar yet. But you keep walking around here talking about Holy Ghost. Take that sugar out them minis. Because <laughs> I told you, Sister Lord, put the minis down. I eat every one of them. And I can't blame her. Y'all know I joke around like that stuff and say it's her fault. But really, I got to stop. Seriously, the other day I went to the doctor and they say, you, you know, you, you, your kidneys seem to be functioning not so good. You know, I, based on this level and that level, we think you might be dehydrated, though. So we want you to drink more water and come back. And I said to myself, see, now you preached a sermon about this now. Because my back had started hurting me for some reason. I said, I ain't did nothing. Why is my back hurting? Usually if you, your back hurt because you did something. So what did I do? So I look it up. They said, well, when you're dehydrated, see your water, even in your disc, because your body looking for water. Now I preach this in here. Some of y'all might have been here when I preached it. Your body looking for water. They're going to suck it out of anything it can get. Your disc in your back, your fingers, everything. Like your fingers hurt? I'm like, what's going on, man? What's the deal here? Oh, but truth be told, you'd have had to pour water in me over the last couple weeks or months or whatever. I just wasn't drinking any. And when I got honest about it, I realized you're not drinking any water. That's why you get in the bed every time you just lay there and then all these, look, my leg was going like this. <laughs> Cramp. And I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? It just started all of a sudden. No, it didn't. Your body done looked for all the water it could find. And now it's trying to pull somebody there. That's why when you're laying down, it's jumping. So I started, and you know me, I try to take things to the next level. So I put my little water out every day. So I've been doing that for weeks. Now it's like, wow, my back doesn't hurt anymore, and my legs don't go like this. That's because. Well, sin is the same way, y'all. That's all I'm saying. There comes a point when we're doing stuff that ain't right, the Holy Spirit be constantly trying to tell us, and we just keep going, and then eventually something happens. But it didn't just happen. Something We, we, we were led down that road of breadcrumbs that finally got us there, and he's the whole time like this. Stop. 
stop. Stop. Don't do that, right? The Holy Spirit is not going to come at us aggressive. He's the one that brought that. But the Holy Spirit, like we know he's a person. In, in, in Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, the Bible tells us that somebody died, two people actually, for lying to him. Think if this was going on in church today. He, they ain't died because of the money. They died because they lied. Look what he says. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain uh, part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why have Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Now, a lot of people stop right there. That's when they won't preach at y'all. Y'all keeping the Lord's money. The Lord going to get you. That ain't what this keep reading. See, this is for the people that say everything the Lord's. It is in a way. But remember what the Lord said. He's sovereign and he places things within our free will. Look at what the very next part says. While it's remained, was it not thine own? That's your money. People say, well, you know, I give God money because that's his. And that's your money. You must decide what to do with that money. Because ultimately, if you decide, I ain't giving God none of it. Well, okay, fine. Well, then surely the Bible says in another place, don't expect God to bless you if you hold back on him. That's all he says. God don't try to curse. The Holy Spirit don't mess with you. But it would be no different than if you went to the bank and tried to draw some money out. And not only did you not have an account, you ain't had never had no money at the bank. You ain't even got an account at the bank. And go over there talking about, I want to draw some money out. Look, I'm going to give up this one, and I'm going to lose my reward, Lord, but I got to use it as an example. I'm going to lose my reward. I already know it. I'm going to lose my reward. But I, I, I feel I got to use this as a quick example for y'all. Yesterday, I was going to the bank, and I saw this man laying on the ground. And he looked dejected and all that and everything. So I went to the bank, got my money, went over, and I rolled by, and I said, you. And he looked up, and I said, do you need some money? He said, well, yeah. But look, but all I want is to get up. Now, he done started down in his thing. But all I want is to try to get me a little McDonald's maybe uh, and a little drink or something like that. And I said, that's cool. I said, but, but hold up. You know, why, why are you talking like that? So I'm just saying, you know, I don't, people think I'm big and they think I want their stuff. I said, no, I asked you if you wanted money. I know. So I, I pulled my money out and he looked and he saw kind of what and he was like. So I had, I was in my truck. And he was laying on, he said, just throw it over here. I said, man, I'm not going to throw nothing at you. I said, you can't get up? He said, well, yeah, I can, but, you know, I, just toss it on the ground. In my mind, I think he felt like this just, this don't even make no sense. Just, you can throw it at me right quick. Because I think he just felt weird about the whole situation. So I said, let me tell you why I'm doing this. I said, the Bible says that Jesus said that if we want to have rewards in heaven, we have to do things here. I said, and when we do things here, we bank up in heaven. I said, although you look like you're really dejected and you need something, I'm trying to bank my account. I'm trying to fill my account in heaven. You got a problem with that? He said, no, sir. I said, good. Well, here, take this money. And then I had a big bag of change. I said, here, take this too. And he took the change. He looked at Jesus and I rolled off. Now, I gave my war ward away. I already know because now y'all done heard what I did. But my point was this. I'm trying to get you to understand this. I did it because I believe the Holy Spirit prompted me. As I was riding by, I saw him, and I just had this sense to go give him something and tell him about Jesus. And I said, look, man, don't let nobody lie to you. Jesus is real. He's real. I don't know what they told you, who told you, but he's real. Don't forget it. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing right now, because I want my reward. Now, I done gave it away. See, the way I'm talking, y'all, hear what I'm saying? I don't expect God to do that. Why? Because Jesus already said, don't let your left hand know what you're right. It's this Lord just first heard it. But why am I telling you? Because I think the Holy Spirit just prompted me, use this as an example for them so they can understand. I am walking with you. I will speak to you, but you got to obey me. So I could have just rolled on by him. And just say, oh, well, brush it off, you know, and keep going. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, but, but, but that's not how it works. The Holy Spirit. So look at what he says. While it remained yours, was it not thine own? 
See, when I got that money out the bank, that was my money. And the Holy Spirit said, go give him some. Now, I could have said, that's all right. That must be me talking. I mean, I know his voice. Go give him some. So you go. You do what he says. But then he says this. And after it was sold, was it not in your own power? The the, the land was yours. When you sold it, the money was yours. And it was in your power. Then he says this. Why hast thou conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell dead and gave up the ghost, and great fear, I bet, came on all them that heard these things. But look at what Peter said in verse 3. It says this, But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to who? The Holy Ghost. To the Holy Ghost. Why did you lie to the Holy Ghost? God is in heaven. The Son is in heaven. The Holy Ghost is here. The person, the Holy Ghost. Why would you come up here and lie to him? And then he said, you have not lied unto men, but unto God. The Holy Spirit is God. See, people, people don't understand it like, God sent us your spirit. Yeah, okay, but the Holy Spirit is God. Himself. He is God. See, people get, oh, Lord, I don't know about God. Jesus is God. The Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. They are the Godhead, all united in one. Now, I can't explain it because it ain't for me to do. The Holy Spirit will convict you, though, if you're you listening. Because if you think about it, think about the Godhead in a way. Don't, I can't even think of how to confuse you with any of it. Just even if you thought about yourself. Not that what, this is a good example because I don't think it is. But if you think about yourself, you know, if you could see yourself and your words, everything you say and think is who you really are. That's why people think what they think about you, the true words that come out. That's who you really are. And, and, and that conscience you have, that part of you that makes you concerned for people or whatever else, that's a part of you. It's not logical. It's not reasonable. It's not, it doesn't reason. It says, oh, there's a poor person. I'm going to help them. It's not reasonable. You may not even have any money, but you do it anyway. That compassion. There's another part of you. So God is like, you know, God says, look, I'm, I need y'all to just accept this for me. I am the Father. Here is the Son begotten, the Word of God. Here is the Spirit. We are one because there's no disagreement amongst the Godhead. We're one, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. This is why back in the day people got so upset and kept saying we worship three gods. And we're saying the Bible teaches clearly it's not three gods. The Godhead is not three gods. (laughs) All right, it's not Three gods. It's three persons. One God. People are like, I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense to me. Forget trying to make sense of anything and just read the word. If you take the word for what it says, you'll see. People get into this debate all the time. Now, in Acts 13, 2, let's look at this. Now, you may say, Pastor, why are you telling us this? I said, because the Holy Spirit as a person was in my thesis, is a person in the Godhead, and he's responsible for leading the church on earth. So if he's responsible for leading the church on earth, we need to know him. And it's good to know Jesus. We're supposed to, and it's good to know the Father. But we got to know that the Holy Spirit is the one who Jesus sent. Jesus said, look, it's expedient. I got to get out of here because I need to send you a comforter. I need, when you talk about God, Jesus, I feel, if you would just reach down and hold me, even if you get hell, it ain't Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit. Ooh, I can't believe you're talking about Jesus. See, that's how people get. It's scary to them. I'd rather just focus on Jesus. The Holy Spirit, that's all he don't do is focus on Jesus. That's why he don't talk about himself much. And the only reason we're talking about him today is to make it clear who he is and what his function and how he ministers and how he brings us to Jesus. He's always going to point us back to Jesus when it's over, but he's the one. Now watch this. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2. The Bible was talking about Paul and others that were ministering. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. See, many times people are like, I don't know. I just don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what he called me to. I don't know what my life's supposed to be. The Holy Spirit will tell you. He's the one. Look what it says right there. He says, separate. As they were fasting and praying, ministering to the Lord. 
See, and this is why we say prayer is important. We got to be before God. You're not going to hear from the Holy Ghost if you don't seek God through fasting and prayer. You got to spend some time before God. You ain't going to just get led that way. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost spoke. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. All of a sudden, he's speaking. He's giving commands. They don't say Jesus said, Jesus said, separate me, Barnabas. It's all the Holy Ghost said it. The Holy Ghost said it, even though it's what Jesus called Paul to. Jesus appeared to Paul and said, I got something for you to do. But when the time came, the Holy Ghost spoke and said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I've called him. Look at Acts chapter 16. 16, verse 6 through 7. Let's look at that. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Wow. Here all of a sudden we see the Holy Ghost telling them, no, you can't go over there and preach. See, some people believe you can preach everywhere. If you pay attention to these scriptures, just get, keep getting fired on your job. Well, all I did was when I'm told the boss what he need to hear. He need Jesus. Okay, and you need the street. And that's why I didn't put you out there. If you'd have been praying, the Holy Ghost might have told you, Wait. Don't approach that man, because he's going to fire you. But I'm bold. I got Jesus and the spirit. The Bible says that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And he's in the world, and I'm about to tell him he needs Christ. Okay? Yeah. I'm not telling you that you're supposed to do that all the time, anytime, under every circumstance. Here's a prime example that the Holy Ghost said, mm-mm, don't go there. We don't know why. It doesn't tell us why. We just know he said don't do it. Look at the very next verse. It goes on to give us even further than where he stopped them. And after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. They want, Paul was trying to go places that the Holy Ghost was like, nope. I want to go over here? Nope. Obviously, for some reason, it wasn't time yet. But y'all know people like this now. You tell them it ain't time. Oh, they're just going to push on through. And then when all of it breaks, I just don't understand. What you mean you don't understand? You know you had that sense. Let it go. Leave it alone. I got two more I want to do, and I'm going to close. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to look at verse 4 through 11. This to me is like the most phenomenal piece if you think about it. The Holy Ghost has gifts. And if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, chapter 12, you see then that the Bible tells us about this. Beginning at verse 4, it says this. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Then when you go to verse 8, it says, for to one is given by the spirit, the word of wisdom, to another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit. Then go down to verse 11. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So Jesus don't give you spiritual gifts. They're the Holy Ghost's gifts. They're part of his attribute. Jesus is in heaven. The Holy Spirit runs the church, and the Holy Spirit has gifts. And therefore, he can do what? Give them to whoever he wants. He does it. The last thing I'm going to tell you, in one place, the Bible says don't grieve the Spirit. You can do things that actually grieve the Holy Spirit. And I really think, and that's what I was telling my sons, I was trying to get them to understand, do you know how I would have felt if one of y'all would have injured the other one? How grieved I would be? I, I don't really care who think they right or wrong. That's the point. Y'all both my sons. I, I don't, I, this would just be so, such a horrible thing. I, I would be grieved. And this is why the Holy Spirit's like, look, we're all in God's family. And when we injure and wound one another, the Holy Spirit can be grieved because he ain't like that. Yeah, he's like, look, I want y'all to look out for each other because I got your back. Can't nobody take nothing from you that God wants you to have. I got your back. Look, every head bowed, every eye closed. 